Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Well, hello and welcome everybody to Why Not Me? Turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls, and I am so grateful to have you here. Thank you for joining us and very grateful to have our guest on the show today. Uh, our guest is Benj Miller. I first became of, of, aware of Benj through his podcast, Tractionville, um, which is for companies running on EOS. And it's through the EOS community that I found that podcast and just love that show. If you have a chance to check out Tractionville, uh, he and Chris do an amazing job. Uh, but with that, I'm going to let uh, Benj take over. Tell us about Thanks. you, Benj. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me on here. And I love the name of this podcast. Uh, it so resonates with me because I'm naive enough to just ask that question in my life. And like, if somebody else can do this, why not me? And when I first uh, set out for my very first business. I, I had an I quit, you're fired conversation with my boss. And that was literally what what gave me the empowerment to do it. I'm like, if this guy can be successful, how much more will God bless me if I do it the right way? So why not me? If he can do it, why not me? Um, so it was it was another guy that, you know, was was not inspirational being successful that gave me the the um, just gave me the confidence that it could be me. So why not me? Love the name. Um, who am I? Introduce myself. I, um, an accidental serial entrepreneur. I fell in love with business building when I wrecked my own business and had to learn what it was to, to lead and grow a business. And, um, after starting, and or buying nine companies, it'll be 10 on Monday. Um, I spend the majority of my time helping other leaders like myself. Uh, my mission statement is to use my curiosity to help other people find perspective. And I do that primarily in the session room with clients implementing EOS. And how long have you been uh, in the session room doing EOS? Well, I've been in the session room doing EOS for about six years, but the first four and a half of those were primarily with my own portfolio of companies before I started um, doing it professionally with other companies. Um, and in that time, I got very deeply intimate with EOS and what EOS worldwide would say is pure. I'll use air quotes around that. And when 
one of the things that I found with EOS is, is it was wonderful, but there was a lot to manage just in the details and keep it all straight and have uh, everybody have access and visibility. So I, I started uh, building some software, um, which later partnered up with Mark Abbott and Chris White, and it's now 90.io, one of the two licensed softwares from EOS Worldwide. And through that process and the relationship of, of getting um, that license from them and making sure everything was pure uh, and meeting the community, the companies and other implementers out there. Um, I just, it took my love for EOS and what I was already investing in for my own company for this software and just took it deeper. You know, there's a group of implementers out there that just want to help. Mm-hmm. And um, EOS is such a beautiful system to do that. And the software layered on top. Cool. It occurs to me as you and I've been talking, we've mentioned EOS several times. I don't know that I've ever explained to to my listeners what EOS is other than EOS. So as long yeah. as, I, as long as I got you online, why don't you want to just kind of share with with our listeners what what is EOS? How does it work? Oh man, it's a big question to unpack. But the premise of the whole thing is that. A lot of leaders and managers run into the same frustrations in their business. And typically they're either hitting some sort of ceiling, either as a leader, as their a department or the whole organization, they're hitting, they're hitting a ceiling or um, on the positive side, they've got the tiger by the tail. They're growing like mad um, and they're, they're at the risk of getting out over their skis. And so they need a way to control the chaos of the, of the growth. And so EOS handles both of those tensions and reminds us that there's five leadership abilities that we can always kind of go back to a default playbook of five leadership abilities that we need to draw on to be able to create that control and break through the ceiling. It's a, EOS is a framework. We've got a toolkit. There's 20 tools. We talk about five foundational tools. It's not software. People hear operating system, the entrepreneurial operating system, and they think software. It's not software. It's a method. It's a methodology. It's a framework. It's a playbook. Uh, I equate it to the blocking and tackling of running your company. There's not, there's no silver bullet. There's nothing super sexy in there. It's just the blocking and tackling but if we do it really, really, really well, then whatever that business is that sits on top of the operating system, whatever that vision is that sits on top of the operating system, it just has everything it needs to thrive, thrive in a way that brings the team together, makes it healthy, gives everybody traction toward that vision. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'd never... You, of course, use the hitting the ceiling analogy, but getting out over the skis, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that because uh, I, I know that feeling. It's like, oh, what? we need control. Um, and so as a person that has been uh, on both sides of the EOS implementer role, one in your own companies, but also for other companies, I've talked to people that have, um, that have self-implemented with with success. I've talked to um, more people that have attempted and, and really found it a challenge. Can you speak to that at all? Yes. And I hate to discourage anyone from self-implementing because it's better than nothing for sure. 
Like the, these principles and tools, they work. And so if you're not at a place where you can invest in an implementer, start to do it anyway. It's going to be better than nothing. But I love the quote that if you want to ask someone what's going to happen down the road that you're going down, ask somebody who's on their way back. So the implementer community, they've all been down that road and they know where the pitfalls are. They know where the lion's going to jump out of the woods at you. You know, they know where the crossing traffic is. And as much as we think we can self-implement, we run into the limitations that we're still only as good as the people in the room. And we still are locked in the inside of the box. So you bring in that implementer. We, we'd say that an implementer's role is threefold. We're implementing a system. We're facilitating the conversation in the room. And we're a coach. And the benefit of a coach is when you're in the game, you're seeing your perspective of the game. You're not seeing the, the whole playing field. And you're not seeing all, you're not able to see yourself. So sometimes just having a coach be able to point out what's happening in the room as they facilitate the implementation uh, is so helpful. Um, my One of my integrators in one of my businesses runs, we're in Atlanta, and he runs a little group of, of integrators. So it's an integrator peer group. And after doing it for about a year, I was checking in on him because I had a lead for him. He's like, well, did they self-implement or work with an implementer? I'm like, oh, I don't. I actually don't know. I can check. Why? He's like, well, we don't allow self-implementers anymore. I was like, really? Why? Hmm. He said, well, the problem is, is that people stick their toes in the water and think they can swim. And I was like, man, that just stuck with me because we don't know what we don't know. And, and, you know, when you go through the process of, of implementing with someone who's trained to implement, there's a way that we get to some of the answers It's what I refer to it as coming in the back door. You know, if I knock on the front door and say, Todd, how are you doing with that project? How's it going? You're immediately going to go, it's going great. Why are you going to say that? It's just a reaction. I'm your boss and that's the only acceptable answer. It's going great. If I come in and say, Todd, what's the biggest hurdle that you're going to come up against on that, that rock, that project that you're working on? You're going to have a totally different answer. You're going to open up. You're going to list two or three things. You're going to extrovert and I get to watch the whole process, see how you think about it and see what's really going on. And you're just, you're just going to be more open about the whole thing because I'm interested not just in a thumbs up status quo, but what, you know, what's really going on with it. And as implementers, we have some of these tools to come in the back door and not necessarily ask the direct question that would get the standard response, but to dig deeper and get a deeper level of understanding of what we want, what our issues are, where our issues are, who our issues are, and then how to deal with all those things. Once we it's kind of like um, the word reality is a big deal to me. Like we talk about issues and personalities. I just want to deal with reality. What's the reality of the situation? Because if we can trust the room to put the reality on the table, then we can deal with it together. But if there's any facade, if there's any politicking, 
Uh, and it, that's hard to do when you don't have somebody from the outside kind of poking around a little bit. And people tend to, well, they do what they always do. It's, it's the same perspective. They're sitting across the room from the same people. And so yeah. uh, it's almost like just having a, a person that grabs the door handle from the other side, so to speak, uh, changes the conversation enough to make some amazing progress. Yeah. Here's the other thing, Todd, is, is back to your question is why wouldn't you invest that money? Because if you're, if you are a company of, of any scale or desire to be a company of any scale, then we're talking about fairly insignificant amount of money. It may seem like a lot, but what's the cost to the organization if you have 10% more employee turnover or you don't get 10% more customers that next year or if you spend 80% of your leadership teams on really stupid issues that never seem to go away what's the cost of all those things so i think um after being in this world for for 6 years it almost feels like companies can't afford not to get an implementer in there and get running on EOS. <clears throat> Can't afford not to. It's in, yeah, uh, I see the same thing. Um, and as, as you said that, um, let's, let's unpack some of the other things you've noticed in the, in the EOS world. And uh, I'm going to change subjects or segue into your book because as you as you've, experienced this, you noticed something that was missing, it seems like. Yeah. And one of one of the tools in the in the US toolbox is the clarity break. Yes. Yeah. Um, Chris and I both believe deeply in the, in the clarity break. And the idea of the clarity break is that leaders and managers need to take dedicated time, not their nights and weekends and a holiday, but like part of their job is to take time to think about the business, to think on the business. It is the most important work that you can do. We get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent. And as scavengers, you know, hunters, farmers, in the information age, we are addicted to hunting for information. So we will default to our email and the news and our social media. So now more than ever, this is really important for leaders to get out and think about themselves for one, their business, number two. But we found over and over that, that it was really hard for our leaders to take that time to do that. And the ones that did, they'd come back and be like, yeah, we you know, took a journal out in the woods and sat there and I just stared at a blank sheet of paper. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think about. I didn't know what to write. And this happened more and more. And Chris and I were like, we, we can do something about this. We can help. So we created the clarity field guide and the, the idea, the premise that we brought to it to help is this idea of the creator cycle. So as creators, as visionaries in organizations, there's a cycle that we go through and some of us are a little more prone to the, um, to the highs and lows of it than others. 
some of it's more subtle, but it mimics the cycle that we see in nature. So in nature, we see spring, summer, autumn or fall and, and winter. And we experience this too in our own lives, in our own energies, in just our, our chemistry, our biology experiences these things. So we go in and we have a season where we have super high energy, tons of new ideas. We're at risk of overcommitting to lots of different things because we're just, you know, it's a lot of creativity. We're more willing to take risks. Uh, we feel like we have infinite energy. And that's, that's the spring. This is planning stage where we, we're putting these ideas together. And then we launch those into summer and summer's about executing. So we get extreme focus. Uh, we get more clear on like our unique abil ab abilities. We're pushing those plans that we made forward. We're really trying to reach our goals, expand our goals. It's like all foot on the gas, all gas. Here's the really, really interesting thing, Todd. Whether you are wildly successful in summer and have a huge harvest, bigger than your wildest dreams, the problem there is it doesn't give us exactly what we really wanted or we crash wildly in summer and are demoralized because we didn't reach our dreams. But the success or the failure is the same vortex and it always leads to the fall. And the fall is the doldrums. And it's kind of like, you know, if you picture fall, it's pumpkin spice lattes, get your blanket, cozy up by the fire, read a book. It's a very um, inward type time. It's some people, it feels almost like depression or crisis. Like, who am I? What am I doing? Am I wasting my life? Should I even be running this business? Is this even a good business? Our energy has gone. Um, and we're just, there's some inner turmoil and discontentment. And slowly, the fall, the doldrums turn into this beautiful cocooning winter. And the winter is when we find a lot of inner clarity, spiritual growth, personal growth. Uh, we find that confidence again. And that leads back into spring where the energy, we come out of the cocoon with all of this energy with, for all these new ideas and the cycle repeats itself. And we go through these cycles over and over and over. Some fast, some, some people are fast, some people are slow. We have macro cycles and, and micro cycles, but if we use the energy of the season, it's kind of like jujitsu, you know, somebody comes flying at you and if you try and come flying at them, you're going to have, you know, you're, you're going to use a lot of energy for a, not a lot of return. But if you use their force against them, you know, you can just flip them over your knee and take them down and they did most of the work. It's the same thing here. So if we know what we, what season we're in, we can use the power of that season and work with it, not against it. So once we lay out these seasons in the book, there's a little assessment. So you can, you know, you can jump in there, Todd, and a couple questions later, you have a good sense of what season you're in. And then you jump to one of the four sections in the book and it's just questions. So the, the subtitle of, of the book is the answers that no one else can give you. Because as I mentioned, being scavengers of information, we're constantly looking for some answer to some question we haven't even named. But if we take the time 
all the answers that we're really looking for, for our company, for ourselves, for our family, the answers are inside of us. We just have to get to a place of quiet solitude, create the space and ask the right question. And so that's what we're hoping that leaders can get out of, of their time with this book. We hope it's a more of a resource than just a book that they read, but something that they use on an ongoing basis to help them get clarity in their life. Cool. Uh, so a couple of things um, come to mind. Uh, a, just we're looking for answers. And in, in a recent podcast of yours, the quote that you shared was, all the treasures of heaven lie within. Um, and and I, I wrote that down. I saved it. I'm like, that's one I'm probably going to carry with me in some way, shape, or form, just, just as a constant reminder. Um, because more and more every, people I'm interacting with, they're looking for external validation. They're looking for it on the outside. And, and it's God placed it inside. And so I love that quote. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as you talked about the book, I had an, a holy cow moment um, because I've never thought of the seasons like that. And, and again, thinking of conversations I've had with other business people, um, they get to that fall season and, and they're like, what's, what's, I don't understand this. I should be, we've had this success. Things are going well. What, what's going on? Or yeah. we've been running so hard, so long, win or lose, wherever we're at, what do we, what do, we do now? And, and so to think of it as just this natural cycle of ebb and flow. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. I got it from my coach. It's not original to me. I am, I am prone to the cycle and I found myself in the doldrums one time and I'm sitting with him and he got out his iPad and started sketching on it and he kind of drew this cycle for me. This is, you know, I don't even know, five years ago. And it really changed my perspective because once I had the ability to realize, oh, this is the doldrums. Well, there wasn't a problem to fix anymore. I'm not broken. You know, it's not a what's wrong with me. It's this is the stage in the cycle. It too shall pass. What's the most productive thing that I need to do? More importantly, what should I not be trying to do while I'm in this season? If only... If only we could take that to heart. What should I not be trying to do? Uh, we're, we're prone, I think, especially as entrepreneurs and business people, we're prone to try and push, right? Like we got to be doing something. We got to be moving the needle forward. And oftentimes it's a painful experience of banging your head against a wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love Bob Goff uh, says he, he every Thursday he decides to stop doing something. And just, and it may be something crazy or something profound, but he'll find something in his life that he should stop doing. I was, I had a, um, I lead a little cohort, um, of guys and we were in session this morning and one of the guys said, I'm figuring out now what I'm not going to do in 2022. Leader of a company. I'm going to figure out now what I'm not going to do in 2022, because in 2021, I've got to figure out how to be able to not do those things. I'm like, that is how you grow a company. That's how you scale is you've got to figure out how to move beyond yourself, beyond your own abilities. Um, So the not doing thing is huge. It's the difference maker. It's, 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 it's letting go of letting go of the vine is one of the, right. 
what, what yeah. can what what can we not do? Um, as I think back to uh, our conversation and your quote about treasures in heaven within, I'm reminded of one of the things, one of the reasons I reached out to you is I think from different posts and, and our, our conversation today confirmed it, that you are a person of faith um, and in, in the business world. So when, when those two come together, how do you define success? For myself personally? Yeah. Um, I think that, that uh, I, I guess the first thing is I would never try to define success for anyone else. Um, I love John Eldridge's quote that the glory of God is man fully alive. So success for me is when I feel truly alive. And typically that's when I'm in my unique ability. It's when I'm helping other people, um, bringing value to other people. Uh, and it's when I feel like the key relationships in my life are healthy. If I can, if I can check off those boxes or, or should I say the more I can check off those boxes? Cause it's not a, a yes or no. It's almost like, you know, it's on some sort of a scale. Um, mm -hmm. but if I'm, if I'm doing those things in relationship with my heavenly father, um, life is beautiful. And the perspective of that becomes gratitude and, um, it's not out of a striving for something more. Um, I, I, I question myself every time I go start or, or buy a business. It's like, you know, I'm sure that somebody's out there looking at me going, well, when's enough enough. Right. Um, and so I question that for myself, what, when's enough enough. And it has no idea. It has nothing to do with enough for me. It's, this is the game. This is my unique ability. This is what I love doing. This is where I can create value in the world. This is where I can create jobs and enterprise and great places for people to work to create more value in the community that I live in. That's game on. That's my unique ability. It's not about more or less. And I'm, you know, I don't, that's not the game. I'm sure from the outside, it might look like the game, but everybody's got to define their own game. Uh, we have, we have a set of family values and very early on, and I'm sure I get this one from my parents. It was, it was just play your own game. Don't let the world define the game, the rules and the criteria for success. You've got to figure that out for yourself. What's your game? You answered, you, you had your answer fairly, um, fairly quickly and this wasn't scripted. So, what was the, how did you get to that point? How did you get to the point where when somebody asked you that, I mean, you've given this some thought, what was the process that got you here? Um, the, the process is a lot of what we are hoping to help other people with, with the clarity field guide. It's literally asking yourself the tough questions, you know, is enough enough? When's enough enough? I think every business owner should answer that. I very early on, um, had a, had a mentor who sold his business for $200 million. And he gave away every penny except for $7 million. And I said, what seven, that seemed like a random number, but 
and it also a lot less than 200, right? <laughs> yep. Um, he said, Benj, you have to know how much is enough and you have to stop when you get there. He said, seven, 700, or excuse me, $7 million meant that I could live the rest of my life on 5%, you know, growth on that money, $350,000 a year. And so he didn't mess around with that. He had a very clear picture of what success looked like, what was enough and how to create great, great impact with the rest. Because if he was sitting on that money, uh, there'd be $193 million sitting in some bank collecting interest that's not doing the world any good. One of the things, so one of the reasons for this podcast, the second, the flip side of why not me and, and the seeking and embracing success speaks to that. Um, we, we can't do, we can't give it away if we don't have it. So when sex, when success is knocking at the door, um, open it. Why, you know, why not me accept it so that you can uh, put it where it needs to be. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. As we get close to our time here, is there final final thoughts you'd like to leave anybody with um, as, as we, 2020 has been what it is, we're going into 2021. Um, what, what one piece of advice would you give the business owner as, as they look ahead to 2021 um, and, and their, their goal setting process as, as they get to that season of the year? Yeah. Um, advice is probably too strong of a word. If you haven't figured it out, I, I love questions. So I'll give you the biggest question that I think can create impact for you right now. And it's one that I'm wrestling with myself because I, I ran into this question and it hit me like a two by four. And the question is, what are you optimizing for? Because a lot of us are optimizing our business for our lives and we're operating, we're optimizing our lives for something. And most of us don't know the answer of what that is, but we are doing it. So there's something subconsciously that we're optimizing our lives around. And it might be, you know, we could go cliche, which also might be true is that we're optimizing our life for some approval from our father. Um, <laughs> And or some scar that we took from childhood and never took the time to, to let it heal, rip it open and let it heal. Some of us are, are optimizing for a sale of a company, you know, in your world. I think that that's what that, you know, we've talked and, and you help people toward that. And the problem is, is you don't die the day you sell. And, and most people aren't real happy in retirement. You You've just sold your sense of purpose that you've been dedicated to, to growing and investing your life in. And so then what? So what are we really optimizing our lives for and figuring that out? Because once we figure it out, we might realize that we're optimizing for the wrong thing, or we might figure out that we're optimizing for the right thing. But if we were more obvious about it, we could be more intentional about it. I think that's a perfect question to end on and, and definitely something that I will spend some time pondering and 
hopefully recording some answers in my in my own new clarity field guide. Uh, I've got one on pre-order and looking forward to it. Benj, for those for the, for the folks listening that want to connect with you and and just find out more things, Benj Miller, where where can they do so? Yeah, sure. So benjmiller.com. That's easy. B-E-N-J Miller.com is is my personal EOS practice as well as my portfolio of companies kind of holding there. Uh, our podcast, tractionville.com and the book, clarityfieldguide.com. Fantastic. I am so grateful. I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, folks, uh, you, you've got the information, you know where to go uh, find Benj and connect with them. I can't recommend uh, the, the podcast enough and can't wait to see the, the Clarity Field Guide. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until next time, peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble. Stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.